This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. Nick and Joe with you to talk about world rankings. Not officially, but unofficially. Nick, we had a really fun conversation with Jeff Bullock of the Universal Golf Rankings. It was one of those conversations that... While we answered a lot of questions, it almost leaves you with even more questions. Not, not not more questions than answers, but the kind of conversation where it just kind of opens up a, a Pandora's box. It's it's a very fun list, and it was a very fun conversation, and I am I'm very excited to see where the Universal Golf Rankings go from here. Yeah, a lot of fun things on the horizon for them. So want to quickly remind you to please rate and review the podcast, whether you listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, it's not Stitcher, but another place. Go ahead and leave a review and rate our podcast five stars. Let us know what you think of this conversation with Jeff, which is coming up right now. Let's just start there. Why? Why? No, that's a great question. So it all started about a year ago uh, on a golf trip, sitting around a dinner table. And we were talking about at the time, it was the first time that OWGR said they weren't going to rank live players. And we're not, you know, we're not pro live, anti live. We're just golf fans. Right. And we were just sitting there going, hey, like the rankings are wrong and no one's doing anything about it. And it was maybe the first time in my life where a conversation turned into action, right? We've all had those conversations (laughs) where we're like, we should do this, we should do that. Um, But we, you know, the group that I was with, we did something about it. So we started the Universal Golf Rankings in January, launched in February. And, you know, our goal is just to be the most accurate, unbiased, all-inclusive ranking system out there and uh, we can dive dive into the details but we feel like we built something that's pretty cool that fulfills each of those mission statements yeah you um definitely go into the extreme methodology on your website but just sort of from a high level owgr does what and you do what at a high level owgr is a point space system so they made up a a points based system based on where you finish in a certain tournament and they allocate points based on their black box formula and every tournament has different points that they they allocate. We are what we like to call a performance based system. Uh, So what we do is we just map the relative scores of every player in the professional golf world against each other when they play against each other. So we call them head-to-head matchups. If you play against each other on the same day in the same tournament, on the same course, we'll match your relative scores up. And what you find is that the whole golf world is highly interconnected. And so the approach works because you have you know, links or connections uh, through the whole golf world of everyone playing against each other. So I got a couple questions here. When you were building this 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 formula and this system, how many different iterations did it take to to get something that felt like yes, this is this is right. This is what we're looking for. Yeah, no, it took a number of iterations. I mean, the very first thing we sketched sketched out in the airport from our golf trip was a points based system. And we're like, oh, like let's allocate 100 points for a win and 80 points for a second place. And we went down that path and we're like, yeah, but then we're no better than what OWGR is doing right now, right? And there's so much subjectivity to how many points you allocate to each tournament 
or to each player or to a finished place. Um, and so then we went down the road of a performance-based approach and there were lots of iterations and tweaks and how far back do you look back? Do you de-weight it? Do you equal weight it? Um, we actually have tweaked it along the way with feedback from you know a number of people um, and we feel like we're at a place that's a really solid output. Mm-hmm. And so not to like put you on the spot too much, but if your if your approach is that the OWGR is is pretty much incomplete, um, and you're coming up with a system, how do you kind of validate it? What's the eye test to be like, yes, this is right? Like, what do you reference it against to say like this is better than that? If it's if it's not biased, and you're you're kind of approaching it that the OWGR is is incorrect, how, what do you kind of compare it to? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Uh, so it, almost like an accuracy test is, is yeah. what you're a- asking. Yeah. yeah, we've put a lot of we've put a lot of that out on our, our Twitter handle, I guess I should say our X handle, right? Um, but <laughs> put, put a lot of accuracy tests out there. So we take the position that accurate rankings by definition should be predictive, right? Sometimes you get in this debate of, Uh, Oh, is it a predictive system or is it a ranking system? And our stance is that, well, an accurate ranking system is predictive because you, if it's accurate, you are saying who are the best players for that given week, right? So who should perform the best? Now we know in golf, you know, if the top hundred players in the world played in a golf tournament, they're not going to finish one through a hundred, right? There's too much variance and everything, but there should be some level of, um, variance or predictability that they will finish in, in, in somewhat of a predictable order, right? Ba- based on where they're ranked. And so we've run all of our back tests and uh, all of our accuracy metrics off of a few things, but one of them is a finish place differential, right? If they're ranked 10th in the field, they probably should finish all things being equal around 10th in the field. And then the question is, is, what, what was their variance off of 10th? Did they finish 20th? And so they were 10 places off of 10th. Did they finish 30th? And they were 20 places off of 10th. And you can do that for every player from where they're at and compare it to another ranking systems finish place differential and kind of see where you're at. Um, and we've done very, we've done very well comparing ourselves that way. Another way we do it is on head to head matchups. So if I say that I'm ranked number one in the tournament, and Joe, you're ranked number 10, well, by definition, I should beat you, right? And so what is that head-to-head matchup? Do I beat you or do I not? And so you can compare two ranking systems and you can say, okay, how many head-to-head matchups did they predict would win correctly versus the other one? And we've done very well with that one too. So there's lots of ways you can sort of test accuracy based on where they're positioned. And as we've done that, we've sort of passed not just the smell test, but we've actually shown great disparity between OWGR and other systems. Well, that leads me into my next question. So let's take a real life example. So as of this podcast being recorded, Brooks Kepka is ranked 17th in the world, according to uh, OWGR. And your ranking has him listed as 30th. Yep. So when you see a disparity like that, 
I can already see the look on your face, so I think I know the answer. I think you get excited when you see a disparity to that degree, especially towards the top of the rankings. Am I am I accurate in saying that? Yeah, I mean, Brooks is the... I love having conversations about Brooks because it's the... <laughs> he's the outlier. He's, he's the outlier, and he's like the most hotly debated, especially among those who really love the Live League and those who don't. Um, what I say about Brooks is, first of all, he's a primetime player. So he shows up to tournaments that he wants to show up to, right? Uh, and we know that. Like, if you were to say, what is his rank going into any major it's you know he's a top three or top five pick at any major um when you take our methodology and you compare you know his actual performance not not a points-based approach you know his last month on the live tour minus his his recent win was poor right he finished 41st he finished 38th and he finished middle of the pack and so coming off of his great major season he actually had a little bit of a slump now is it because he didn't care? Is it because he just took the weeks off? Maybe, but like I can't pick and choose what rounds I'm going to be involved, be part of it, right? Um, the, the second question, I, I think I'll answer the question that maybe was implied. You know, a 13-place difference between us and OWGR, I actually don't view as that significant. You see the hmm. huge significant um, differences in those ranked 100 through 1,000, right? And that's where I feel like we really shine and maybe the average golf fan doesn't care who's ranked 550th, but what it does is it proves the accuracy of your system. If you can accurately rank, you know, someone who is ranked 300th or 500th or 700th compared to someone else. And so we'll see hundred place differences between those who are ranked 700th and 400th in our system. And we can point to exactly why. Mm, that's really interesting. And, and live is such the, hot button issue or the thing that comes to top of mind when we discuss OWGR and world rankings and how that all works and who gets in majors and who doesn't. So if Liv didn't come around, would there still be a need for an alternative ranking system in your eyes? Uh, I'm guessing I'd say the short, the short answer is yes, but I don't think there would be um, the press or the will or the mm. wherewithal to, to, to do it, right? I think Liv was the catalyst. And people ask us, was it the catalyst? Like, yeah, it was definitely one of the catalysts, probably the primary one, but the, the secondary one, which was not too far behind, is the formula change that OWGR made in August of 2022. So not a lot of people know that, um, but the formula change that they made really biases towards the PGA Tour, right? And you're starting to see it play out in 2023 where we put out a tweet last week that showed over half of the OWGR points that have been awarded this year have been awarded to PGA Tour tournaments or majors, right? And then the other 20, 30 plus tours that participate in OWGR have gotten the scraps of the points, right? And it's just the way that they weight tournaments, weight tours, um, and do everything that it's, it just skews towards the PGA tour, um, in an unfair way. I don't think that would have been enough though, to make it as big of a deal without live. Right. So just to kind of clarify that a little bit. So your, your, your mechanism for waiting the PGA tour essentially is when you get like these satellites. So like, say somebody from the PGA tour competes against somebody 
from the corn fairy tour then that guy goes off and competes against players from the asian tour you can kind of compare the results that way and improve that the pga tour is that much stronger versus just kind of randomly saying ah it's it deserves half of the points and so we're going to give them we're going to weight it this way and, and we're going to weight the rest of them that way is that is that kind of how it works yeah 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 direction that's a really fair way of explaining it so we don't weight tours we don't weight tournaments right so the, the beauty of the system is we don't have to come up with an arbitrary points-based weighting system. And what you alluded to is accurate. What most people don't realize is how interconnected golf, the global golf professional world is. So the average PGA Tour player plays against about 400 different competitors every year because every field is different, made up of different players. 80% of professionals play in tournaments on two different tours, on multiple tours. So they're playing globally. I mean, last week you had six players in the top 33 in our rankings playing in six different global tournaments, right? Like that's amazing, that's awesome. And so I use the word crossover a lot. There's just tons of crossover between players and the crossroads of golf isn't the PGA Tour. The crossroads of golf is the DP World Tour and the Asian Tour. Most players on those tournaments, most players in those tours play six, seven, eight hundred different players every year. And so you just think of everyone's personal grid or connection just gets filtered down. And then lastly, the average live player plays against five, six hundred players every year. You know, everyone talks about it being a closed shop, which it is within the live tour, but they go out and play DP events, Asian events and other events. I mean, Sergio, at my last look, I could look now, he was at six or 700 different players he's played in the last 18 months. Wow. Yeah, so, okay, that, that goes to it, Nick. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in and ask, like, the news last week that Liv is not getting OWGR, and their quote-unquote reason was because it's a closed shop, there's not a feeder system, guys aren't leaving the tour, guys aren't going in. Do you think that that argument holds water? You know, I mean, what OWGR does, I mean, they're their own institution and they can make their own rules. So I'm less worried about that. It, for me, it's just more of a fact of, is there an accurate way to rank all golfers regardless of the business model that they are playing golf in? And we take the stance of, yes, there is. And we're not the only ranking systems that, that has figured out a methodology to rank all golfers, right? And so... You know, my understanding with OWGR is that it's less about um, them playing shotgun starter three rounds, and it's more about the relegation and promotion mechanism, right? So right. will they fix that eventually? Maybe. I don't know. Does that take away the, from the fact that they shouldn't be ranked? We take the position of no, that, you know, we, we can rank them accurately because they cross over to the rest of the global golf world a lot. So does it does it matter? And just to kind of further that thought, and then I'll stop beating this dead horse, because there are actual consequences and, 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 and results of people being in the top 50 of the OWGR, do you think that it's going to have some sort of a waterfall effect to say your rankings or alternative rankings? Because players at the top 
of the OWGR who maybe shouldn't be there because in kind of a skewed system are going to be playing in the major championships where someone like an Abraham answer or a Taylor Gooch Gooch is probably the best example of someone who was the player of the year in the live tour. He's ranked like 176th in the world. He's not going to play in the U S open unless he qualifies or the British open or the masters, but he should be in those tournaments because he's one of the top 20 players in the world right now. So is there any sort of ancillary effect on your rankings because of the OWGR? I guess is the question. Yeah, I mean, in short, I'd, 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 I'd hope so. And I think, you know, what you're posing is the question of 2024, honestly, for, for the golf world is how are majors going to react or are they going to have special invites or how are they going to, you know, recognize good play on a tour from players or not? I was actually just watching Golf Channel an hour ago and they had one of the main uh, European tour reporters on from the BBC. And he said exactly that. He said the major, there's no way that the majors cannot, you know, think about inviting a handful of these guys because it'll dilute their product. And this was, you know, just coming from a mainstream BBC reporter. And so I think everyone recognizes that I would hope and obviously raise my hand and say, Hey, we've got something that we'd love for people to look at as a reference for qualification or at least saying, Hey, who should at least be looked at? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that takes me directly to my next question, which was, it's not just live that has a stake in an accurate ranking that that ranks all the, all the golfers. It's the majors as well, because like you said, their product will be diluted if they're not getting the Brooks's and the Bryson's once their exemptions expire, they're going to want these guys in their tournaments. It's, it's, it's good for their product. And they have the ability to say, these are the qualifications to get into our rankings. And if the OWGR isn't good enough, they're going to find something else. So has any of these bodies, whether it's live or, or the, you know, any of the majors or anybody kind of approached you or, or, or asked questions of like, Hey, what's going on here? Like, should we be aware of, of this system? Um, I mean, I probably can't get into details, but we have had conversations with high level people in the golf industry and, uh, where we're at today is probably, that's all I can say, but it has been fun and been a really, you know, cool and interesting ride to create something that in less than 10 months has proved to be valuable to, you know, the industry. Um, and you know, what's interesting is just going to the, OWGR and majors is, you know, the head of the OWGR, the board of the OWGR are the heads of the majors, right? Right. And and so what, what I think is going on behind the scenes is you have the group of people who are trying to in some way protect the institution of the OWGR as the, the, as the institution of the OWGR, knowing that they are wearing a second hat as a head of a major that might have different goals um, and so I'm guessing they're trying to balance, hey, the, the aims, right, or the mission of the OWGR is to do something, but right now that's actually going against what we need here. And so I'm sure the behind the scenes is a fascinating conversation um, of, of what's going on. Um, I wish I was privy to those conversations, but um, it's just kind of interesting, the players who are making these decisions. Mm-hmm. And have you had any critics? Like, is there a criticism of, of this type of ranking? I, I don't know what it would be, but have, have you got any of that? And, and what are, if so, what are they saying? And what's your response to it? Uh, yeah, every single day there's critics. I, I, think, <laughs> I joke with my it's wife. It's golf, so I figured there would be. <laughs> I joke with my wife. I, I say, yeah, there's lots of people being mean to me on Twitter today. Again. <laughs> and, uh, 
So yeah, yeah. Golf Twitter is crazy, right? Uh, and like, yes. I'm not a huge social media person until we started doing this. And it's like, I couldn't imagine being in the deep in the social media game, like if it was your actual job day in and day out, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I think the criticism, the, the biggest criticism we get is that we're a live bot. I love that. They're like, you guys are live bots, right? Like all you're doing is more than live. And we, we try and say, look, Live created the environment that we're in and we're just kind of taking advantage of the environment. Like, let's just be honest. Like there's a whole, like, you know, I, I, I try to think that I'm a business guy, right? We see an opportunity. There's a hole in the, in the market and we're trying to fill it. Right. And the, the fact of the matter is, is because it's a huge chess game because, you know, OWGR reacts one way, live reacts another way. You just get all of this emotion and news popping up and then, the fact that we're one of the few ranking systems that's even trying to rank live players, let alone we feel like we're doing it accurately, just brings out all sides of the all sides of the opinion war, right? Um, generally, we hear the exact same criticisms over and over, and most people don't want to actually engage. But I try and be civil and be like, "Hey, like I'm happy to engage with you." Um, very few people question the methodology because when you actually understand the methodology of matching people's head-to-head -head scores on a relative basis and when you understand that the golf world is globally interconnected to make it statistically significant most people get that and it's hard to argue against the methodology that's very um sincere and kind of you to want to engage people in real conversation on twitter or x or whatever the hell you want to call it but i think in time you'll learn that there's it's 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 fruitless just spend more time with your wife hang out with buddies more more golf trips that's that's probably yeah, exactly. the way to go um, something that you guys do that I absolutely love is the inclusion of Champions Tour in your rankings. Because uh, I don't know if people have been paying attention, but Steve Stricker, if you look at his odds to win a tournament on the Champions Tour, he's like plus 220. He's like plus 150. It's insane the numbers he's getting because he's dominating so much. And your ranking has him listed as the 55th best golfer in the world. So how difficult is it to do? Like, does Steve Stricker have to play events against players that are not in the Champions Tour for that to work? Because someone who comes to mind is like Patty Harrington, who played a lot of PGA Tour events and a lot of DP World events. So I'm sure that favors your ranking, does it not? Yeah, so Stricker is definitely one that where we get a lot of flack on Twitter for as well. The, the funny thing is we're not the only ranking system out there that has him as a top 100 player, but mm. we're, we're apparently the only one who, uh, you know, gets criticized for it, which is kind of funny. Um, <laughs> So again, going back to the methodology, right? We have a huge cloud computer where we map the head-to-head -head matchups of every golfer, you know, in the global universe that plays against each other. We have tons of primary links and primary connections, right, of players when they play against each other. When they don't play against each other, you have to do, have a, you know, first degree, you know, someone who's one degree removed from mm. them, right? So Stricker has not played in a PGA Tour event in two years, right? Um, but he... There are lots of Champions Tour players who have. Stuart Sink, Patty Harrington, Bernard Longer, um, Jerry Kelly made the cut of the Players' Championship, right? And Stricker's playing against all of these players. So, you know, again, agree with it or don't agree with it. The way the math works is that we can derive a ranking through his primary connections, and they've got primary connections to thousands of, of PGA Tour players that they've done. Uh, would it be great if he played in PGA Tour events where we could have, um, you know, primary connections? Yeah. And he did qualify for the PGA Championship through his win 
at the senior PGA. So we'll get that in 2024. Um, but yeah, but that's all part of the, that's all part of it. And, and I put out a tweet, uh, I think it was yesterday where I mapped, it'd be cool if we could show it, but where I, I showed the, um, the talent of every tour, right? The top 10 tours mm. out there and the dispersion of the top 150 players in each tour. If they don't have 150 players like live, then we just do their whole tour. And what you can see is you can see a really clear ranking of where the best talent in the world is and where they play. And the champions tour ends up being right around the level of the Asian tour or the challenge tour or the Japanese tour, where the talent on that tour is about equal with the talent on those tours. Um, and so what, what's, what's cool about our system is since it's a, it's a relative strokes output. So everything is benchmarked against the best player in the world. And then everything is your one shot worse per round relative to the best player in the world. Your five shots worse per round relative to the best player in the world. And we can basically see, you know, where the best talent in the world is playing. And on average, a champions tour player is shooting four to six shots worse per round than a Scotty Scheffler, right? And that kind of puts them as the eighth, you know, maybe the eighth best tour out there. Basically, if I go out tomorrow and play around a round of golf with Joe, and the next day Joe goes out and plays around a round of golf with you, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out <laughs> the, the ranking of, of where the three of us stand compared to each other. That's it's just like that on a much larger scale, right? It's that on a much, much larger scale because we have lots of rounds between us and then there's hundreds of players that are connecting. So mm. we use the satellite example in our on our website mm. where we basically say, hey, it takes four satellites to pinpoint your exact position on Earth with a GPS. Just four. You don't need 10. You don't need 20. You need four. Our system is essentially like having 400 satellites pinpointing your exact relative position on top of the thousand secondary satellites that we are secondarily pinpointing your position. And that's why it's just highly accurate. So given that accuracy, and then that you find these discrepancies with the OWGR, which some of them, which you, you highlight right on your website and say like, here's why Sepstraka is raped here in the OWGR and in here for us. Can the gamblers out there who like to get a little bit of action kind of compare your rankings and find some opportunities with the sports books? Is, is would you say that's that's a fair analysis? I I always get the gambling question, right? I don't think I've been on one <laughs> you, you have to in this day. I don't think I've been on one podcast without the gambling question. So so we did not create we did, it. We, we did not create Tugger for gamblers. That's the first thing I would I would say, right? Um, that's that, that what that wasn't the main purpose. How people use the rankings is up to them. I will just say that. For entertainment purposes only at the turn listeners. Yeah. So you could identify so, some some gaps. That's all we're saying, potentially. There, there are there are there are definitely disparities. I will say when I've taken the few times that I've looked at the the odds makers and everything, the odds makers definitely don't use OWGR as a reference, right? Like they whatever system or smart person they have doing making the odds. They are not referencing OWGR. So while there's definitely a disparity between OWGR and us, there's less of a disparity between that. They have the really special black box. They have Vegas, the really special decisions. black box, right? Yeah. If uh, I, I would just say this. If it, if it really was that big of a deal, I'd probably just create a hedge fund and, you know, <laughs> on my own. But I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's really at that point. Okay. So I guess ultimately, Jeff, 
what is the the goal? Do you have an end game, or is it so new that you're just kind of enjoying the ride and beating down trolls and taking fun phone calls and having a good time with pals? Yeah, yeah. First goal is to stop engaging with trolls, right? I think that's the. <laughs> I think I need to do that. Uh, yeah, we have goals. Um, like I've said, we've had really good conversations with some high level people in the industry. We've got directionally some ideas of where we think things can go and where we can plug. Um, and I don't think professional golf is the only and last place that we can, you know, expand. I think we can expand our reach beyond professional golf. Um, how that looks and when that looks is a timing thing, but we've got a lot of projects in the pipeline that uh, we're hoping to roll out, you know, in the next six to 12 months that it should be really cool. So before I get to our rapid fire segment, I am kind of curious because you referenced this uh, big algorithm, big computer. So who's the programmer? Do you have someone like in the basement who's who's really cranking out the numbers? Is that your partner? Who's the software guy yeah, yeah, or gal? Yeah, it's not me, right? I'll tell you that much. It's not <laughs> me, right? I, I joke that I don't have any marketable skills. That's why I do the podcast, right? But um, no, the, real, the really smart people, yes, we have someone who's basically our data scientist, you could mm. say, who runs, we run, sure. what's called, we run what's called an optimization. So if you're deep in the coding world and the modeling world, optimization is very different than like regression Excel analysis. It's, it's just a step up, right? And that's what allows us to reconcile essentially millions of variables at once in an accurate way. So we have someone who's highly trained and does optimizations on a daily basis for their day job that we've just applied to the sports world. Um, and it makes it, it makes it great. Well, Jeff Bullock, co-founder of the universal golf rankings. You've been so generous with your time. However, I'm going to ask you to stay just a few minutes longer. It is now time for a segment we do with all of our guests on at the turn. It is time for turn 10 brought to you by Piper golf. Use promo code turn 10 at checkout for incredible savings on incredible golf balls. Jeff, are you ready? I am ready. Number one, Jack or Arnold. Jack. Number two, hole in one or lowest round ever? Uh, lowest round ever. Number three, world number one or PGA championship? World number one. Number four, Pro V1 or the field? Pro V1. Number five, we're getting personal. Most you've ever paid for a single round of golf? Oh, I mean... Probably three or four hundred bucks. Oh, that's not insane. Not no, that's bad. not crazy. Not too bad. Yeah. Number six, your favorite club. Uh pitching wedge. Number seven, most important putt you've ever made. Uh when I was eighteen, I made about a ten footer to win the Colorado State Junior Golf Championship. That is so good. Great answer. Yeah. Did you know it right away or did it like yeah, leak I was, in? I or? was up, up by one par putt and it was par putt to win or miss and go to a playoff. So that was my, my only claim to fame in golf. Oh, that's a good claim to fame. Number eight, fade or draw? Uh, I'm a draw guy. Number nine, are breakfast balls ever okay? Oh, always okay on the first hole. <laughs> and number 10, finally, how early should someone arrive at the course before their tee time? I'm a 50 minutes guy. An hour seems like a lot, but 45 to 15 minutes gives you enough time to do what you need to do. Be a little casual about it. Exactly. 
Well, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. Good luck with the rankings. It's a very interesting story, a very interesting process. We're excited to hear more about those high-level calls that you can't talk about more today, and we'll see you down the line. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again to Jeff for that really interesting conversation. Nick, without further ado, it is time for our Mad Golfer of the Week. We're going to the Doha Golf Club site of this week's Cutter Masters, or Qatar. I was, I was wondering when we were going to go there. Finally. I know. Finally. You've been asking for years, and we finally got there. Nick, it's your favorite. It's a Mad Golfer that has nothing to do with golf. It's Ina Burkun. She says, quote, I was there because of Enrique Iglesias' concert and was deeply disappointed. Zero out of 10 organization. Almost two hours in a long queue. Organizers said it's opening at 1900 In reality, around 2100 that they open the gates. In addition, nobody checked the tickets. Anyone could show the tickets belonging to someone else and enter for free while others paid. I can hardly describe how incredibly disgusting the washroom smell from the dirtiest toilets I've ever seen. I just put one star because of Enrique, who is the star for me. Otherwise, no stars were deserved by the Doha Golf Club. I, just, I, I wasn't going to pick this because I know you like you, you hate when we don't do golf, but I saw the Enrique stuff and this, I had to get it in there for this you. Is, this is classic Mad Golfer of the Week. I mean, this is too good. Um, oh, my God. Dirty the, toilets. Yeah, dirty toilets at a concert. Oh, my God. Who would have thought? <laughs> Congrats to Inabergen. You are. I love how somehow this all like is the golf club's fault. Like that's that's I know. that's the beauty of this all. It's like one star for Enrique, zero stars for the golf course. Like, do you know what you're reviewing here, Ina? Yeah, Enrique Iglesias. He got one star. And with that, it is now time for Nick Rolls. Brought to you by Matchstick Golf. Use promo code Turn Twenty at checkout. Well, unlike the Mad Golf of the Week, Nick Rules does relate to golf and Ugh. of course specifically a rule that is going to come in handy for a lot of folks as we uh, wrap up handicap posting season uh and that is temporary water so joe and i are playing a match the match is all square mm. i smash my drive on the 18th hole sounds right ends up in a puddle and joe thinks oh i've got i've got the advantage here I well not him. so fast joe it is standing water and i get the following options According to the USGA, you may take freely relief by finding the nearest point of complete relief where you are clear of the puddle and then drop your original ball or another ball. Now I, could, I could sneak in. I could sneak in a different one right wow. here. This is my opportunity. Uh, away from the puddle and within one club length of that point, not nearer to the hole. I may also take relief from a puddle of water in a bunker or on the putting green under different circumstances, different procedures. Um but you do not get relief from a puddle in a penalty area, which would just be like a pond or a lake or a stream. Well, I mean, you could have a puddle in a penalty area if it's really, you know. Yeah. But your point is well taken. So basically, if I hit it into a puddle, which I'm going to do a lot in the next six months in Portland in fairways and more likely rough, I can get it out of there. I don't have to roll up my shoes and take off my shirt and, and be a crazy person. Exactly. One club length, no near to the hole. And that is Nick Rolls. Anything else today, Nick? I'm very excited about um, our conversation with Jeff, and I'm, I'm 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 dressing up for a Halloween tournament soon, so I'm excited to to share the results of that on a future oh, handicap report. That, that'll be fun. Um, no, nothing else. I am I am optimistic as always for uh, some exciting handicap reports coming up, but uh, nothing nothing to nothing today to to talk about. That's for sure. <laughs> 
What a tease. We will talk with you all sometime soon. Enjoy. Just call ahead. Call ahead. This is the last time I'm going to say it. Call ahead and check for aeration. Just do it one more time for me. Just for me. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn.